0: Welcome to AMI Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day to day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multifunding, Ami Kassar, and his co host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multifunding, AKA the SBA Queen as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business.
1: Hello, everybody. Today's a special edition of the podcast because I'm not the host. I'm the guest, along with my beautiful bride, Bethany Kassar. Our co-host, Lynn Ozer, aka SBA Queen, is going to be the host. And Lynn, the floor is yours.
2: Thanks. This is exciting for me. I get to do all the fun stuff. And we're a little different today having two guests at once Ami and his lovely bride. They just came back from a wild and wonderful trip to South Africa. And we thought it would be really exciting if we could share everything that they did while they were over there with our listeners. Uh, The impetus for the trip actually was going to the EO Global Leaders Conference in Cape Town. because they got an opportunity to go there, I don't know how many of our listeners know, but Ami was born there. And this was a chance for him to take his wife to see where he was born and for him to go back and visit after many years. So they also wrapped up a lot of other excitement into this trip and we're going to hear all about it so first up my first question is going to go to bethany and bethany before ami and you left for your trip i asked you if you were excited and you said oh yes lynn this is on my bucket list so take it away were your dreams fulfilled
3: (laughs) yeah they were um it, it was an amazing Trip. It was nothing I would have actually ever have thought of. You know, I, I say to people since I've been back, like you go to Europe and travel and you see architecture and you go to museums and paintings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But this trip was so much more spiritual and so much more about humanity than I anticipated it was going to be. So it, it was very overwhelming and in a in a very positive way.
2: I think when you first came back, you told me it was life-changing.
3: Yeah, it was life-changing. You know, I think a part of what we did is we we took a couple of days and we went on safari. We went to the Kruger National Park and we spent a few days on a safari. And that was really life-changing, you know, being out in what they call the bush, watching and trapping animals in their own habitat was really overwhelming because it really represents kind of us and like what we do as human beings, but it's all natural and it wasn't staged and you didn't know what you were gonna expect. And it was very peaceful and quiet. And so much of when you go on safari and you look at animals is just sitting there and watching them in their natural habitat. And, you know, I don't think we take time like that in our daily lives to slow down and it was very peaceful in a very meaningful way
2: so while you were with the animals which one was your favorite and why
3: 100% the baby elephants <laughs> they
2: were so cute no hesitation there
3: no hesitation the the baby elephants and even the mommy elephants were i, I just think they're beautiful creatures but yeah i mean they were wow. all not, not one and what not one animal disappointed i mean they you know they were all beautiful and very amazing in their own you know in their own So
2: life. did your tour guide tell you how baby babies were they how old were those elephants Oh did you know it, or they didn't
3: No 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 the funny thing is like that where we were the camp that we were at the trackers know you know so what you what happens when you go on at least our safari was you had a ranger like a park ranger who knows park area like in and out um, and then you have someone who also goes with you, he or she is a tracker. And that is someone who's now who's you know a native to the area and you know, they understand, they've really grown up kind of with the animals and they know all of these animals. I mean, they track them. I mean, when they're not taking groups of people out in safari, they're out there, look, right, like on a daily basis, getting to the animals and you know, seeing where they are and what they're doing. So they were as young as three months old, some of the baby elephants. That really? Were
2: so-, so these guys that are out there, I mean, I guess they watch these animals giving birth. I would assume they see that.
3: I I think they do. I think, yes, they have. But I think that they also give, you know, they're very respectful of the animals and, you know, what what they need. And so... What do you
1: think? I don't know. We, that's a good question. We I never asked ask that. Ask I would assume
3: so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they knew what babies, were, what belonged babies. Were. Yeah. I mean,
2: they knew they might have seen it. I don't know. It's just, it's we did, fascinating.
3: We did see a kill, though. We did see a, a, mom, a leopard kill an impala to feed her baby cub. And that was pretty fascinating.
1: I can still smell it. it was oh, God.
2: It was
3: gross, but it was really. It, it was for me at, at the beginning, very daunting. And it was a very hard thing to watch, but then when you sat back and you watched the cycle of nature and why the mama did it to feed her, her baby, it made sense. So right. like, those are the things that you just don't, you know, I think we live at least here in the United States and we live such a fast paced life, like we don't take time to, you know, think about
2: how right. things
3: happen. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, that's quite different than what you did when you first got to Africa. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Or maybe Ami will. When when you first got there, you were not
1: on the safari. I think Bradley should just keep doing the talking. It's like (laughs) married (laughs) life. Well, the beginning,
2: tell us where you went first.
1: We flew to Cape Town, which is where I was born, and I left where I was eight. And first two nights and two days of the day and a half of the trip or so, we're really, we went up to stay in a little, I don't know if you call it a mini hotel or a guest house or whatever you want to call it, right?
3: Hotiki
1: Hotel. Hotiki Hotel. Excuse (laughs) me, I didn't have the right language. (laughs) No, you did not, yes. (laughs) And right in the neighborhood where I grew up, which was Arandezacht, which is kind of up on top of the mountain in
3: well i don't mean to interrupt but oh, i don't know nah, now it's really no, 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 no. I, no i want to hear the <laughs> details he stayed, it's really it's not just a mountain it's called table mountain okay, thank you. <laughs> and table mountain is you know one of the you know one of the people go to see in okay. uh-huh. and so our hotel was at the base of, Cape- of table mountain and, you know, no,
1: just not, okay right. good <laughs> so <laughs> it was pretty amazing first of all it was sort of an opportunity to show Bethany kind of where my life started and right. the next day we went to walk past the house where I my first house we walked past my grandparents house we walked past the hospital where I was born <laughs> we (laughs) we went to see where we walked past the place my grandfather would play bowls we went to the Jewish Museum in Cape Town that tells the history of the Jewish community in Cape Town Mm -hmm. and Friday night I went to services in the synagogue where I spent my first eight years and my parents were married it's a beautiful beautiful synagogue Mm -hmm. and I actually Found my grandfather's seat that still has his name on it and says the year he was born, the year he became a member, until the year he passed, almost forty years ago. And I sat in his seat through services, and that was quite an unbelievable experience.
2: Oh my God, Army! I get goosebumps just listening to that. Oh, it really felt sort of
1: surreal in, in a way, and so that was the first part of the trip and that was sort of like the trip down memory lane and some of it was sad because in this beautiful neighborhood with beautiful houses you know there's South Africa is a conflicted country there is security has become the biggest industry in the country and oh my. lots of problems with crime and poverty and hunger and education and a lot of corruption. And so you see many of the houses where there's high high gates and high walls to make it hard to get into. And another part of Cape Town or South Africa is they have rolling blackouts because there's not enough power to go around. So on our first night there, we rallied and we went to dinner in a kind of a local restaurant, the Italian place in the neighborhood. And in the middle of dinner, the power went out. Mm -hmm. And everyone just kept talking, like nothing was wrong because two minutes later.
3: It's actually called load sharing.
2: Two minutes.
3: (laughs)
1: Load
2: sharing.
3: It's it's not called black, we call it in in America, like a blackout, but they call it load sharing.
2: So is is there a schedule for
3: that? Like, do they know when it's gonna happen? Can they? So there's like an app, this is what we were told, there's like an app or somewhere that you can go online and it gives everyone like the time and the date of when that your particular area will be turned off. So you can prepare for it. So, you know, so it doesn't catch you off guard.
2: So certain restaurants have to close on certain nights because they're not gonna have power. Well, it's or, or like in your case, did they know it would be that short that you could they could serve you and Gener- it would be fine?
3: A gen- no, a generator. Like, so what happened is- we Oh, were, a generator. Yeah, like we were seeing, we didn't know what was happening.
2: And right. uh,
3: it, the interesting yeah. thing to experience it was, you know, here we were completely exhausted gen- and <laughs> we had just flown in and we were trying to eat our meal. And as we were like, just waiting, the entire place went dark and not only the place, the entire neighborhood, like just- they everything just went black but everyone kept eating and they turned on like their flashlights on their phone and they kept eating and drinking <laughs> as if and I mean I looked at each other as like, if no one, no one missed a beat um, and no, it, they're not phased you are <laughs> um, because that you know but then within five not even within a few minutes like the generators kicked in and then it just was back to normal but the chatter like no nothing I mean we were like surprised the chat, nothing like it it's just part of their culture. Culture.
2: Yeah. Okay. So tell us. That was the, the
1: first part of the trip. And then and that was, Bethany's beautifully discussed the safari. Right. And I'm not even going to chime in about that because
2: wait, can I just ask one more question about the safari? How many people were in your group and were you in your own private jeep or do they have a a viewing vehicle that's what i picture like like a disney world thing (laughs) when you go on safari
3: lynn just so you know that when i went out or when we went out on our they call them runs when we went out first run i thought it was like jurassic park That yeah that's what I think yeah and this, like big cheap and like you know it felt, it felt really surreal but yeah so each group whether you have two people or eight people I think I don't know how many fit I guess they have different sizes but you go out with your group so right. we have been you know we went there but there were other people from EO from Ami's group that were also going to the same game park that we were going on and so they put us because we all had something in common, I guess, or we, we all booked under the same travel agent also. So they put yeah. us all in one Jeep. Can you hear what you got? It? Six, seven,
1: like, seven or yeah. whatever, yeah.
3: But you you go, at least at this game park, I don't know other the way you went, right. went with whoever you were going with. So whether it was two people or eight people, you were in your own private.
2: Right. Jeep. That's great. And um, when you weren't out on a run, is there anything else to do when you're on a safari?
3: <laughs> well, we happen to be on a really nice safari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went back to the camp. You know, they have. You know, you could go work out. You go. Oh. Uh,
2: you know. Oh, they have all
3: that. Oh. Really?
2: I'm picturing you're in a like a glamping tent or something.
3: Well, they do have safaris that are glamping tents, and that they catch. Yeah. Like as you go, the one that we chose, we went to Londozi, um, which I would recommend to anybody. And it was like a hotel, I guess. But, right. You know, yeah. But, a resort. A resort. It, thank you. It was like a resort. Yeah. So when you got back to, so basically just quickly, so you have, you, you go on two runs a day, at least here. So the way we did it is they woke us up at 5.30, 4.35 every morning. We had about 20 minutes to get just put like clothes on and then we would go out on the jeeps and we'd be out till like 8 30 9 30 right then okay. we'd come back they'd have breakfast then we have time to do whatever you wanted during the day right and then around 3 three thirty, 30 they would gather us all back again we'd go back out on safari. we'd go back out to the bush and then we would come back around 7 seven thirty 30 for dinner and That's again guess Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like the animals are up in the morning and they're up usually and then they nap all day and then they get up again towards the end of the day to start, you know, because they're usually up at night, right? So, yeah, and so they took us during the times that they'd be the most active.
1: That's awesome.
2: Okay, so after you went on safari, then what was the next
1: part of the trip? Part of the trip, we came back um, for EO's Global Leadership Conference.
2: Tell us about that.
1: One of the amazing things about EO, which a lot of listeners here know about but his entrepreneurs organization is that once a year in a different country about 1500 leaders from the different chapters around the world of the global leaders get together for a leadership conference with interested in speakers and a lot of entrepreneurial energy and there's you know different educational tracks and also training for the officers so um global leadership conference was going to be in Cape Town uh the year of COVID and it got shut down and it, it came back so this was a A double win for me because it was a chance to go to GLC, as it's called, and also to go to Cape Town. So um, we got together and there were 1,500 members. We had a contingency of seven from Philadelphia chapter where I'll take over as president for a two-year run in July.
2: Congratulations, Um, (laughs) Ami.
1: Thank you. Just another add to my workload, but that's okay.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have enough time for this, but (laughs) that's great. We're really proud of you.
1: I'm happy to do it. And so, you know, th- there's definitely an energy of being with entrepreneurs from around the world. And you also connect with a lot of friends um, and everyone's hanging out and this and that, and there's some social activities. One of the, I think, me- most memorable experiences of the conference for me was put together a group, about 60 of us from different chapters, um, mostly in the U.S. And we, on the first night of GLC, went to a restaurant in Konmazanzi, in one of the townships, in Langa Township. The townships are the poor areas of, of, of Cape Town. And this was a remarkable restaurant, which was founded by a family and is now run by two brothers, where somehow it's all authentic African food and music and some art and... You go into the township You have they have to transport you there. Ubers won't take you into the township. It's not safe. No,
3: I and mean, you might find an Uber driver who would, but right. they, they mostly do not.
1: And you go in there and they, it, it was an amazing, amazing dinner and experience and the opportunity to support this place. Now, it's interesting the contrast of the power issues in, in Cape Town. They called us that morning and said you need to arrive an hour early because they don't have generators there oh and we went and these two brothers and maybe bethany can tell maybe some of the stories of the food or meeting the mamas or whatever mm-hmm. told the story about how the values their brothers put their parents put in them as they raise this restaurant and then they learned about Tripadvisor and they got their marketing going and now they are like one of the top rated restaurants and TripAdvisor. That's crazy.
2: Utah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was really a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable.
2: Entrepreneurial experience. Ami, you must have been in heaven listening to that, how they started their business.
1: We're actually going to have them, I don't know if it's scheduled yet, we're going to have them on the podcast.
2: Oh, I can't but, wait. That'll be so exciting. Thank
1: you. The raw values of of what they talked about and their experience of and they brought this restaurant up in the heart of incredible, very sad poverty was- Major poverty. Was really um, an amazing, remarkable story. So
2: before they got on TripAdvisor, like they're in this poor poor place who could afford to to eat there the neighbors i mean it's always been how did they survive
1: i don't know it's a super good question oh okay well i'll save
2: it for them for that
1: podcast (laughs) and it was sad too because their mom um actually passed since we were there she was in hospice Mm -hmm. care when we were there and had been fighting cancer cancer for a couple of years but, that was, but you got it. to meet
2: her? No. I mean, so oh, she, got, was yeah, she, she was there. sick. She wasn't there. Oh.
3: They call you know, Mama is like an term of endearment. So you know, the women, the two women cooked for us for our group. You know, they refer to them as Mama. So uh, every every you know, grandma type figure is a Mama. Um, how about that. You, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And perhaps, and, and then we did some other. You know, beautiful restaurants and the wine country and different Mm -hmm. things, but everyone is so friendly and so kind and the food is really across South Africa, minus a little stomach bug I had. It was really, really spectacular, but we asked the brothers from the restaurant if there was any way, if we got together some money or resources, they could arrange for us to go visit an orphanage or go see sort of the other side of the township. And they did that, and we put put some money together. So one of the amazing things about South Africa is that everybody, irrespective of their economic situation, but for the most part, 99% of people have an incredible smile on their face. All the time. And seem to just be happy with their lot, irrespective Mm -hmm. of the challenges that Mm -hmm. they face.
3: It's a contrast to us in America. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) I'm <laughs> miserable all the time, and these people really have a reason to be miserable, and they are and mostly, for the most part, sweet, welcoming, warm.
1: Yeah, we um, the, the brothers?
3: Well when we first got to (laughs) when we first got to glc when we went back to cape town and went to the conference i was standing outside our hotel and there was a few of the significant others of whoever the eo member is loading a bunch of stuff into this big van they were from america they were somewhere in the united states and i overheard they had had forethought and they had arranged to visit an orphanage out somewhere in the cape town area and had they had brought all of these amazing things to like donate uh. and i in my head i was like oh my god so that so i had to Ami, like i feel i didn't think about that i feel now that we're here that that was something that i wanted to do something like that and especially after we spent that evening in the township with dinner i felt even more a draw to do something, to leave something from all of us. So that was the reason behind why we asked.
2: To go to the orphanage,
1: okay. We um, asked the brothers if they could, we were to put together some money in EO. And on our last day in Cape Town, we, on the way to the airport, they came to pick us up and took us into the heart of the township, mm-hmm. of Langa. And amongst the other things around there, we, Went to see a heartbreaking orphanage where there were about 30 to 35 kids living who were orphans. And when they were living in a room probably about the size of our bedroom and bunk beds, bunk beds and the running water and...
3: And they range in age from like infants to young every- teenage girls. They were well-developed young ladies that were Aww. there. Yeah.
1: And the most beautiful smiles and so and just wanting to, they were doing some dancing for us and they just felt like they wanted to be touched or held. And oh they, my and God,
2: they lack that human touch. That is so sad. They Do they have to... any hope of being adopted or that's
1: just out of the question? You
2: know, They really I just mean, live there till they are old enough to leave?
1: I don't think this orphanage was licensed through any like social mm-hmm. uh agency a mom
3: a, mo- a mama was running it. yeah
1: oh and so there is a friend of mine asked about adoption and so I did a little research and there is a system where you can apply and go through the process to adopt a kid from South Africa it costs about sixty thousand dollars which just feels like uh, more c- corruption to me yeah all these, these kids need to pitch these, home these kids i mean if we could have if i could have picked one up so would have wrapped them
3: i had one in particular but i really wanted to take that home
1: it was <laughs> devastating when there was this little gorgeous little boy he's probably about two years old with most wonderful smile and if he opens his mouth all his teeth were rotted.
2: oh oh
1: my goodness perhaps oh. One of the most striking contrasts of it all was that maybe 20 yards away in the middle of a Saturday afternoon, there was a raging party going on at the local Mm pub with lots of drunk men walking in and out. So many of these kids that were probably conceived in situations like that. Mm -hmm. It was right there.
3: I want to be clear though, and assuming that I you know, we have those same situations here. (laughs) you know, in, in our, in, in parts of our, you know, cities. And so I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I just want to be clear that that doesn't mean, you know, we, we experience it here as well. I think it was just more glaring there because it felt more prevalent, you know, here, I think it's more hidden, but that mm-hmm. was just, that's just kind of part of life
0: there.
1: You just see the, the vastness of the issues and okay? you drop luggage off. The, we dropped off some luggage at the hotel a couple of days early, and the porter asked me to write our name on the ticket because he couldn't. I don't think he could spell or write.
2: Or.
3: And he was the happiest, sweetest.
2: But at least he had a job, like I, least, you know.
1: Yeah. At least he had a job, and it was just so. I mean, that's what's the country is beautiful.
2: But Bethany, you said something that I I think is interesting that, you know, yes, we have this here in the United States and we have orphanages and we have, you know, a lot of irresponsible people and just like anywhere else. Right. But it's more glaring there. Do you think that our government, you know, especially when it comes to like orphanages you know like daycares even i know just from what we do have so much licensing and and i would assume that orphanages do too i don't know that much about it does the government come in in any way shape or form to I,
3: I assist I, not, these
2: people i'm not
3: no? i'm not super educated in this so i i don't i don't know the official answer i i yeah. assume just from talking to people and you know um that in these kind of the township type areas, I don't think so. Again, I couldn't, mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything. I, I don't want to step out of line, but you're right. I mean, I think we definitely in the United States had a lot more government, a lot more policy procedures, a lot, a lot more overhead, right. and it didn't feel like that there. It didn't feel like there was any rules or, you know, felt like it was its own little, right, its own little city, right, that they did like kind of whatever.
1: Yeah, there's very little confidence okay. in the government. Yeah, and yeah. The vastness of the corruption. And Bethany, maybe you can talk a little bit about going to Robin Island.
3: When the EO members were in session, they did have some things to do for the partners, you know, hikes or tours or whatever. And so I took a boat over to Robin's Island, and that's where Nelson Mandela was held for so many years.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Bring a little bit about the history behind him. So that was also, you know,
2: fascinating, sure
3: you know, so it, it was just, just there's history there, but there's history everywhere. It was just a really, for, for us, I just, I felt it was just an amazing trip.
1: Um,
2: yeah,
3: really like I came back different. I, I came back more settled. I came back more grateful.
2: I bet, right?
3: And, you know, for my children's life and, you know, people around me, you know, I definitely came back with a different sense of inner peace.
1: Do you love me more?
3: And are we, are we being recorded? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to say yes? No, of course. No, it was just, it was, you know, again, like we, we, you know, we've traveled before. I've, I've been places. Yes. Um, and like, I came back from this trip, definitely changed. And
2: you I'm said still, that, yeah. I'm
3: still trying to, in my own, I'm still trying to figure out kind of how I landed differently, but I definitely feel more peace with life. And I think grateful, you know, that, you know, we have the things we have.
2: Right. It's it's wonderful. And Ami, do you have anything you want to say about your upcoming coronation as leader of EO here in Philadelphia
1: before we end our podcast? I guess what I'll <laughs> say is that part of The amazing part for everyone who doesn't know EO is Entrepreneur's Organization about my EO journey is that it taught me that it's okay to do other things besides just work. And it expands you into other things. So I wouldn't have gone back to Cape Town yet, or not sure when we would have done it if it wasn't for the impetus of EO and next year's conference is actually in Singapore. So um,
2: that sounds awesome.
3: Yeah. total contrast it'll be a big We're going about it From right. Africa to Singapore
1: but it was it's just it broadens your thinking and it broadens how you think it's like a business in your life and it's maybe a better person maybe a better husband I'm not sure a better, <laughs> a better father and it's definitely something that for those who are listening who aren't members of EO I'd certainly encourage you to think about and it's really been fun to be on the show to be the guest on AMI Sites.
2: And (laughs) I loved having you, AMI. You're a wonderful guest on AMI Sites. And thank you, Bethany, for all that you brought to this interview as well. Sounds like it was an amazing, amazing trip. Thank you very, very much. Thanks,
3: guys. Thanks
0: Thanks for joining us today on AMI Sites. Since 2010, multi-funding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.